Philippians 3, 7 to 14. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray as I start. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing each of us here today. Thank you that you are present with us. And Lord, I pray that you would be in our hearts and in our minds, that you would guide my words, that you would be in the words that stick in each person's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is New Year's Eve, the final day of 2017. And I'm sure many of us here have plans for this evening, whether that's going to a friend's or family's home for a party, or maybe going into central London for the fireworks. We are all eagerly awaiting the new year to come in. My mum has a yearly tradition on New Year's Eve. She grew up in Camberwell, and one of her family traditions on New Year is to open the back door of her home, then the front door of her home, to let the old year out and the new year in. I think it's, it's a Campbellwell thing, I'm not really sure. But you can imagine it, we are sat, my dad and I are sat in the living room and we're freezing whilst mum opens the front door, runs to the other end of the house to open the back door and then runs back to close them all. It's quite hysterical, but it happens every year and without a doubt, I'm sure it will happen again this year. We all have our own New Year traditions and I'm sure many of us will also make some sort of New Year resolutions. I will go to the gym every day in 2018 or I will eat less chocolate or drink less coffee or even I will spend an hour every day reading my Bible. I'm sure all of these are great things to do and I've certainly attempted two of them. I'll let you work out which those it might be. The problem I find with New Year's resolutions is that they never work. Each year I put my hope in something like not eating chocolate. I hope that it will make my year better, but with, as with many of us here, I'm sure, we get to about February and we give up. I find absolutely no joy in what I'm doing, so I stop. I'm 100% putting my hope in the wrong thing. So I have a different perspective for 2018. 
a different way of looking at things. And it comes from today's passage, Philippians 3, 7 to 14. Paul is writing to the Philippians, the people of Philippi. Philippi was part of the Roman colony. It wasn't on Roman soil, but it did have all the perks and privileges of being Roman. Philippi was a place of privilege. There was money. They weren't exactly poor. They were the middle class of their time. So there was lots that could distract the Philippians from their walk with God. Sound familiar? Just like today. There's money, technology, success at work, whether you have the most up-to-date phone, smartwatch or tablet. Owning these items isn't the problem. It's how we react to owning them and what we do with them that Paul is writing about here. Let's imagine that right here I have a rubbish bin. What are the things that you own that can very easily go in the rubbish? That old jumper that your grandma gave you 10 years ago that you've never worn, that can probably go straight in the bin and nobody would mind. What about your favourite item of clothing? How easy is it for that to go in the bin? And then we get to the things that are expensive to us. Our phones, our laptops, our tablets, our computers. How easy is it to put those into the rubbish? I know that I would really struggle if I had to put my phone in the bin. But this is exactly what Paul is writing about. He considers all things as loss. And it isn't just possessions that Paul's talking about here. It's being popular, your social credentials, being intelligent, being good-looking, being respectable, being the one with the best job. It's where we place our confidence and what we prioritise over Christ. Paul put everything into the rubbish in order to gain Christ. Paul writes, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul is starting his testimony He's describing what changed in his life when he accepted Jesus. Here he's using financial terms. Now, I don't actually know anything about the financial world at all. But I do know that when Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He is talking about losing everything. He doesn't want anything that will distract him from his walk with Jesus. He is talking about his past priorities. Paul decided to follow Jesus, which meant for him, giving up all those things that were taking his attention away from Christ. This is a matter of attitude. Back when I was little, maybe eight or nine, I used to collect a very special magazine. It was so special that my mum had to order it into WH Smith's each week to, to collect because they didn't ordinarily stock it. It was a teddy bear's collector's magazine. Yeah, it was really cool. Each week, there was a new teddy bear and a magazine that came with it. And the magazine told you all about the bear's profession. There was a doctor one, a car mechanic. I think there might even have been a vicar. I must have collected about 100 of these bears. 
there were a lot of magazines in the house. This got me hooked. I liked the shiny paper, I liked the pretty pictures, and I really liked the fact that I got one every week. As I got older, I grew out of the teddy bear magazine, poor teddies, and started to get S Club 7 magazines. Yes, I get even cooler. Um, they came with a different item each time, and you collected them and put them in this big pink box that uh, came with the very first magazine. The items were things like hair bubbles and hair glitter, which I was not allowed to use. Um, a bandana. I remember the bandana very, very well. Uh, there were bracelets. I absolutely loved it. However, I did get a little obsessed. I wanted to be the people in the magazine. I wanted to be S Club 7. As I got older, I started to read the other, other magazines and noticed that these what were meant to be teenage girls were seemingly prettier and looked very different to me. I didn't like how that made me feel, so I stopped reading them. Now, that's a small example of my past priorities that I've changed. I found something that didn't give me true joy, so I chose to count it as loss. I took it out of my life in order that, as a teenager, I would know more of Jesus Christ. Are there priorities that need to change to make sure nothing gets between us and our relationship with Jesus? Maybe there is something we know right now that we want to change so that we can seek God more freely. Sometimes the priorities we do have seem like they're good ones. Making sure we get a pay rise so we can provide for our families, making sure we're going to the gym to keep healthy, or even in my case, making sure everything I do is to the best possible standard so that I'm pleasing and giving everything to the people around me. They all seem like good priorities to have. But we've got it wrong if those and any other priorities are our top priorities. Paul says that to have faith in Christ is more important than anything else. So I urge you to seek Christ in everything and keep him as our top priority and everything else will fall into place. However, this is a process. It will take time to completely change our past priorities from our lives. In fact, it will take Jesus to come again for that to completely happen. But our attitude is what's important in order to draw closer to Jesus and find joy in him, it's important to press on with the Lord. As followers of Jesus, nobody is yet perfect. But God wants to daily form us closer into Christ's image. So will you let him? It isn't just the past priorities that Paul changed in his life. He also wanted to know Christ each day. Verse 10 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. He wanted to experience God's love for him. Christ is concerned with our present experience as well as our past priorities. To gain Christ is not a static one-time occasion, bam, I know Christ and that's that. No, God will continue to transform us through the ups and the downs of life, so that we might become more and more like him each day. Paul writes that his righteousness does not come from himself, but from God in verse 9. 
the word righteousness is like two sides of a coin. On one side, it's our status in Christ. We have faith in Jesus, and therefore God sees us as righteous. And on the other side, it's what meant when we say more like Christ's likeness. The term the church uses is sanctify. We are being sanctified by God in order to be more like Christ. And this is a constant process. It happens daily. Jesus not only changes our lives on the first day that we meet him, but Jesus is constantly our life changer. God moves through our current experience and that's what will bring us true joy and satisfaction. Knowing Christ as our Lord and letting him be our life changer. All the way through my teenage years and university, I didn't once read a magazine. I didn't dare in case I saw something that would affect me. But just recently, after some encouragement from friends, I did buy a magazine. I've never bought it before. It's taken me from the shift of, I am not yet a real adult, being 24 I should be, or to, okay, this is it, I actually am an adult. I bought Good Housekeeping magazine. I really love it. (laughs) It's great. Um, I particularly love the fact that this one has gold writing on the front. Um, The pictures are beautiful and the paper is shiny. And on almost every page, there is something that is frankly unachievable to any normal human being. But I still loved it. Why? Because my whole attitude has changed. I no longer look at it and think, this is what I want to be like. But I look at it at the pretty pictures and simply think exactly that. That's a pretty table that's been laid out for Christmas Day. My attitude has shifted. I no longer let the magazine affect me in a negative way because I know that Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for all of us. We no longer need to seek for joy in other places because Christ is enough. Paul was fully in Christ and knew that Jesus was enough for him. Jesus was Paul's permanent address. He, did, he didn't go anywhere else to seek joy and satisfaction because Jesus fulfilled his every need. Paul continued to let God transform and sanctify him to become more into Christ's likeness. But Paul knew that this came with suffering too. To become more like Christ's likeness means that we will also participate in his sufferings. Do not lose heart if you're going into 2018 with pain, if you're suffering, because Jesus knows. He's been there. He knows what we are all going through. Jesus was Paul's permanent address. Is he yours? Paul's example is extraordinary. And it's not easy to lose everything in order to gain Jesus. But if we can sacrifice the gains of this world so that we might call Jesus our home, it's worth it. Whatever you are going through, whether it's ups or downs, and whatever you go through in the future, because there will be ups and there will be downs, know that when we are in Christ Jesus, we are fully covered by his sacrifice. When we hold our hope in him, He is walking through everything with us.
The darker the day, the greater is God's glory when he finds us still rejoicing. So where is your satisfaction from? Is it from Jesus, knowing that we can call our home in him? Or do we find it from somewhere else? This New Year's Eve, where will you find your satisfaction and hold your hope? Now, I definitely know that it is not easy to live fully life, life fully Christ-centred all the time. We fall short of God's glory each day, but we are thankful for God's grace. Yet, through Jesus' death and resurrection, we are forgiven, and we are able to come to God blameless in his sight. Even Paul writes in verses 12 and 13, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul wasn't there yet either. Isn't that a relief? But Paul presses on. He pursues the life which Jesus sacrificed himself for. You see, we can put our past priorities behind us and let Jesus sanctify us in our present experience. But we have to be focused on our perfect prize that's ahead for us. Is our focus held in Jesus? Is he our perfect prize? You see, God will continue to sanctify us, draw us closer into Christ's likeness. But if we don't hold Jesus as our perfect prize, keep our eyes fixed on him, then we will start to wonder and we will find our satisfaction in other things. Paul knew that he had to have faith in Jesus and he knew that Jesus was and is our perfect prize. Verse 14 says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. When I was an older teenager, my vicar at the time preached on this passage, and he illustrated this point in a way that I have never forgotten. It involved running around the church, which frankly I'm just not going to do, so I'm going to explain it instead. So he started to run around the church and he asked a child to come and run in front of him. And the child was representing Jesus. And the child started to run down the aisle and my vicar turned around and started running backwards. And he fell over lots of times. And then the child kept running and my vicar turned around and faced him. He fixed his eyes on the child representing Jesus And he knew exactly where to go. So let's not try to follow Jesus by facing backwards and running the wrong way. Let's follow him by keeping our eyes fixed securely on him. Paul knew that we cannot have Christ, then we have no other hope. But he also knew that it wasn't going to be a jolly holiday forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead. It takes effort to keep Jesus as our perfect prize. We will need to push ourselves, and there will be times when we have to make decisions that might make us look like the odd one out. But this is what we have to do to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, our perfect prize. You see, each time I pick up a magazine now, 
I don't look at the pictures and want to be like the people in them. But I do have to make the effort to continually keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. That moment when I'm having a bad day and I pick up a magazine, it would, might be an entirely different story. You see, the magazine itself isn't the bad thing, but my attitude towards it can be if it makes me think negatively about how God made me to be. So I have to have my attitude focused entirely on Jesus so that I don't let the lies of media take over my thoughts. What is it for you that you have to make the effort to keep focused on Jesus so that you aren't affected negatively? Let's spend a few moments identifying that one thing that comes in the way of us and our perfect prize. Is Christ where we fix our eyes? Are we satisfied in him? It means letting God into all that he's calling us to. As Jago said, I'm following God's call to ordination. And I've had to make some sacrifices along the way to be where I am now. God calls each of us to something. Will you keep your eyes fixed on him so that you might draw closer into Christ-likeness? and his purpose for your life. We are not yet complete, but by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus as we enter into 2018, we will certainly draw closer to his righteousness. So what are Paul's encouragements for for next year? There are three things. Our past priorities. Consider everything as loss, as rubbish, compared to knowing Jesus as our Lord. Our present experience, knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection and sharing in his sufferings, knowing that he is with us through everything, and our perfect prize, pressing on into the future towards the goal of heaven, that is Jesus. In other words, this coming year, Paul tells us to live as if Jesus died yesterday, rose today and will come again tomorrow. I'd like to invite the band up now and as they come up and start playing, I'd like to spend a few moments connecting with God about the things that you might be taking into 2018. Whether it's something that you're struggling with, whether it's that you're in a place where you you feel down, or perhaps there's a priority that you know shouldn't be your top priority. Let's spend a few moments focusing on that.